0: Assalamu <laughs> Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi Ta'ala wa barakatuh Bismillah alhamdulillah wa Salatu wa Salamu alayhi Rasulillah Assalamu Alaikum brothers and sisters <listened> <laughs> <laughs> um, Welcome to the show
1: Assalamu Alaikum Dr. Abdul Wahid Wa Alaikum wa wa Rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Taji and everyone else brothers and sisters watching Assalamu Alaikum Wa Alaikum <laughs>
0: Salaam wa Rahmatullahi We thank Allah, we glorify him We ask for his peace and blessings upon Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Thank you very much for joining us um, for the coronavirus diaries. Inshallah ta'ala, a daily program, 9 p.m., put it in your diary. Um, please share the video. And here we aim to talk about Islamic perspectives, give some answers, share some ideas, share some solutions from our great deen, as well as some reminders from the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet Allah, wasalam, of how to get through this very difficult situation. Um, Dr. Abdu'wahir, how has it been as a doctor these last few days with Corona?
1: Uh, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, salatu wa salam ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Uh, tajib, very, very, very strange, actually. It's like, um, uh, it's like a very stable day-to-day routine working in the NHS has become like uh, going to a disaster zone where it's an earthquake or a tsunami, but in slow motion, you know, it's like the wave hasn't hit the land yet, but we know it's coming and it still feels very pressured, much more pressured this week than I can remember uh, as working as a GP. But but more than that, um, when you look at the graphs and how this could escalate, we are on, we're just lifting off the baseline at the moment and it feels like that. So everything's changing in the way we work. People are scared. That's one thing we're going to talk about today, brothers and sisters. People are fearful. Uh, people are emotional. Uh, I, Taji, I, a, a very dear brother that you and I know, I won't name him, uh, last night told me that his father was admitted and quarantined in the hospital and they weren't allowed to go and see him. So, alhamdulillah. He's proven negative today, but also his mother-in-law has been in hospital and she is very sick and she has coronavirus and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give her shifa, but it's it's agitated the family. I I have a very dear brother who's very dear to me, who I think locally has it, Um, so uh, there's a lot of fear, but also brothers and sisters, when Taji and I and others will be joining us or uh discussing things in the next few weeks are speaking there's more than just these uh, emotional and fearful issues there is a big spiritual factor here which we'll talk about today mainly but sure, right. there are economic issues with you know the pound going down the stock market's going down uh printing money going up there are huge implications for the global economy when when this sort of thing happens, in a very interconnected world with a very fragile economy, you've got massive political ramifications. People like Trump and Boris Johnson, they're kind of quite popular at the moment. Well, if you fast forward, Taji, to one or two months down the line mm. where people, you know, if there's an interruption in the food supply, if businesses are closing, you know, when people actually know somebody who's sick or has died, that changes the dynamics completely in terms of what's happening. And and geopolitically we don't know how these scales are going to swing at all. Um, and and I think uh, the, the other big aspect for us as Muslims is mm. when we look at these things through the ideological lens of Islam, whether it's the emotional, whether it's the personal, whether it's the political or economic, uh, whether it's the clamp down on the the civil rights which they're talking about today with unprecedented laws in britain which kind of resemble give powers to the government similar to what the chinese government have whichever it is we want to look at it from that islamic perspective and we'll mm-hmm. take it in bite-sized chunks inshallah
0: now so one of the things i thought i'd actually uh played allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us in uh, surah al-ankabut uh, Uh, that we will be tested and we want to talk today about fear and um, one of the du'as that gets recited a lot in the last few days is something i want to play um it's very short but it's a du'a from our prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam um i will play let's hear it So that was a du'a from our Rasul sallallahu wa And that brings me to um, Dr. Abdul Wahid. Uh, you, inshallah, will share with us, you know, this question of fear mm. that a lot of people are afraid, uh, a lot of Muslims are afraid about what's going on. How do we look at this issue of fear? How do we deal with the issue of fear? Bismillah. Give us some thoughts on that, <laughs>
1: brothers and sisters. I want you to walk with me through how people feel when you hear about these statistics, this disease, how it's catching, what the death rate is. The und- there are some amongst us, Muslim and non-Muslim, who worry obsessively about their own health, and they fear getting sick, and they fear the loss of their own life. And there are others who worry much more about their families, their children, what if something happens to me, what's going to happen to my kids or my wife? Well, their parents, they hear that this disease strikes the older people much more than the younger people, and they they suddenly get worried about their mothers and fathers. Others have a more fear which is more like materialistic about about their jobs and about money. You know, it's a real thing. If you have to self-isolate and stay at home and you just get paid a nominal SSP wage, that doesn't pay the bills. That doesn't pay the rent. That means for some people potentially losing their homes. Um, for other people, if their businesses suffer, they're thinking about losing their jobs. Um, and we all as human beings, these are, these are real things that people start thinking about. And the more you start dwelling on them and thinking about them, the more agitated you and I get. That's just human beings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator of the human being, the one that knows everything open and everything hidden about us. He says in Quran, very famous ayat of Quran, تو ايات القران بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ولا نبل بِشَيْءٍ من الخوف والجوع ونقص من الاموال والانفس والثمرات وبشر الصابرين الذين اذا اصابتهم مُصِيبَةٌ قالوا انا لله وانا اليه راجعون اولئك عليهم صلوات من ربهم ورحمه he says, Allah says to us, to human beings, verily, we'll surely test you with something of fear and hunger and a loss of wealth and lives and fruits. So Allah's told us that He's going to test us. Sometimes test us with a fear of losing these things, and sometimes test us with really losing these things. So some of us in the next weeks and months, just because of this disease, this is a continuous test in our lives, whether we realize it or not. But in context of this disease, some of us are gonna face a fear of loss of these things. And some of us are really going to lose life, wealth, loved ones in this time. And that's the reality for human beings. That's the reality that our brothers and sisters around the world, in China, in Myanmar, in India, in Afghanistan, in Syria, in Yemen, and so many other places are facing day in and day out. That's the reality for them. And this fear is something maybe we don't feel so often living in comfortable places. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ He says, but you know, give glad tidings to those who have sabr, those who are patient, those who, in spite of those tests, are perseverant. Those who, when a calamity afflicts them, they say, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ Indeed, we have come from Allah and we will return to Allah. Because those, أُولَيْكَ Upon those people, Allah sells his salawat, his blessings, and his mercy. And on those people, Allah says, they are the ones who are guided. So, in this ayah, Allah's giving us a way out. He's explaining what's happening. He's giving us the context of what's happening, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And... When you understand that, you don't fear a virus anymore. What you can fear is the creator of the virus. And you can think to yourself, he is the one that is testing me. He is the one that is saying to me, if I'm patient and perseverant. And what does that mean, patient and persevering? It means that when something falls upon me, which is not within my control, sickness, death, loss of wealth because he subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gives life and takes life he's the one who gives disease and cures disease he's the one that gives wealth and takes it away i shouldn't worry about that because that's not in my hands i've left that to my lord patient with that patient upon that but what else perseverant on the right actions the right behavior the right way of living that a Muslim should live. And separate in your mind these two things. Separate the things which are not in your control and the things that Allah is going to account you and me on. Because that gives you and me a way out of this. It means that if you and I behave in a certain way, that is something that can bring reward from Allah. And so when you hear this advice about how to deal with this disease, washing your hands, distancing yourself from other people, not going to places unnecessarily, trying to work from home. Don't think to yourself that's protecting yourself. No, Allah is the one that's going to protect me and you, inshallah. 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 But what you should think to yourself is what I'm accountable for in terms of Rasulullah sallallahu الله عليه he gave instructions to people on how to behave in a time of a disease breakout like this. and his instructions summarized are, don't do things that spread the disease. So I'm accountable for trying to minimize the spread of this to other people. And similarly, when it comes to the wider aspects of our life, how I live, how, I'm with, how I am in my relationship with Allah and my ibadat, and you'll hear many Islamic speakers and preachers talking about how we need to make istighfar and pray and fast. Wallahi, they are right. But don't limit it to that, how I behave with my family, how I trade and earn my money and collect my rizq and spend my rizq, how I live as a Muslim in the world when Allah has given laws for us to live by, as a society, as a world, as a human race, laws of governance and economy, which we can see are threatened in the world today, are we doing that? We should be thinking all of those things and be p- perseverant on all of those things. I don't want to go on talking too much long, um, but there are two or three things I, I would just like to say, Taji, before we move on. One is so many ayat of Quran that will, if when you start thinking about the fears that I described to yourself, to your loved ones, to your wealth, to your rizq to your life, to your parents, to your children, when you start thinking of those things, think of those ayat of Qur'an where Allah says, قُلْ لَيُصِيبَنَا إِلَّا مَا كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَنَا هُوَ مَوْلَانَا وَعَلَى اللَّهِ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ Say, we will never be struck except by what Allah has decreed for us. He is our protector. وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَلْيَتَوَكَّلِ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ And upon Allah let the believers rely. So let this reminder from Allah be something that we start relying upon him more. And know the power of Allah. Brothers and sisters, before I came on, I just did a calculation. I reckon that in one average human body that gets affected by this disease, there will be something like... 50 million virus organisms in one person's body. And if there's about 133,000 known people affected today, that means there have been something like, I don't even know how you say this number, but it's 665 followed by 10 zeros, okay? I don't even know how you say that number. That many viruses in all the known cases. And Allah is the one who created that virus. And he knows what's happening to each one of those virus particles and all the others in the unknown cases. He knows whether they're going to strike harm on someone or spare harm from someone. That's an awesome thought. An awesome. I mean, that's the thought. You think Allah Akbar and you feel yourself uh, humbled by that. And then you know that Allah says, وَاللَّهُ غَالِبٌ عَلَىٰ أَمْرِهِ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ And Allah is al-Ghalib. He's the dominant one on his affair. But Allah says, most of the people don't know that. And that just doesn't go for this virus. It goes for all the suffering, all the hardship, all the things that we kind of convince ourselves there's no way out of. Actually, Allah knows it all. Allah is in control. And this matter can be a matter which brings us away from fear into something that can bring us back to thinking confidently that Allah is the one who's going to decide my fate. I now have to decide what I'm going to do, which is account- when I'm accounted by Him, what is the right way, whether it's my personal life or whether it's the way this planet lives for all the people here.
0: Barakallahu <laughs> fiq, Doctor, um, brothers brother and sisters, and sister, thanks, thanks for joining time us. Time. You are watching um, our show, which is Coronavirus Diaries, um, is, is what we've called it. Inshallah, it will be daily uh, show. There will be people like uh, Doctor Abdul Wahid. Um, hopefully, we'll have brothers from abroad. Maybe we'll have brother Brother Okai uh inshallah down will join us from holland um as well as uh maybe brothers from Denmark some brothers who are specialists in this field there's a, a brother Naveed who is uh, you know specialist in this kind of field their brothers were pharmacists uh so different people but also would love to hear your thoughts your ideas your views so really we'll we'll take some questions here um Mashallah, I can see um uh, People from Australia, Brother Patreet, he he helped us with that number that you mentioned. He said it's six point six quadrillion. So Hello. maybe some questions to start with, Dr. Abdullahid. Um somebody, actually a non-Muslim, said uh, that should not should Muslims be less afraid than other people? What will make a Muslim less afraid than the average person with this situation that we face—you don't know where the disease is, you don't know where it's coming
1: from. What can, what makes us different in this issue? What well, only the only thing that makes us different is the beliefs I was talking about, because you know our our belief in Allah and our belief in Quran is is founded on something very solid. So when Allah tells us something in Quran, for us it, it, it immediately means okay. Uh, that's a promise from Allah. That's something, that's a fact. There's no doubt in that. So I, I then I then feel that that whole weight of worrying about whether I'm going to live or die or whether I'm going to lose my wealth, that weight is taken away from me. I don't know what's going to happen. I still don't know the unknowns. I can't expect that I will definitely live. I will definitely be free of this disease or not. No, I can ask Allah to protect me from it, but um, in the end... The, the weight comes off my shoulders and that, that's why we should be less afraid uh, though the truthfully the for, for anyone watching who's not a Muslim I think we all share those same feel fears, fears that they're normal fears the difference between uh, somebody who believes and somebody who doesn't is actually the degree of certainty you have of not worrying about those things which are not in your control. And then you can, and I can start concentrating on the things that are in our control and which should have been in our control in the first place. Okay. Uh,
0: another question um, that was raised was the issue of, in terms of enjoying Allah's blessings, mm-hmm. subhanahu wa ta'ala, does this situation remind us of maybe sometimes the things we've
1: taken for granted? No. Too, too much, Taji. You know, this whole business with mosques closing, not closing. Uh, uh, at the at the beginning of this kind of business, I, I started to feel, I, I mean, regardless of the opinion you follow on this, but there will be some people that will be thinking right from the outset, oh, we need to close, right, because that's what China did or whatever, or Italy did. And there'll be other people that are thinking, okay, you know what? We don't need to close until we're told by public health that that is necessary. But at the beginning of this, I, when that debate started, I was thinking to myself, Subhanallah, like the idea that I won't be going to a mosque because I can't—that's just that's just too strange. And then starting to feel that you know what I want—I want to go more. And similarly with family and loved ones, when you start thinking about them. And you start thinking, Allah, no, you, you make du'a, but Allah protects all our families, inshallah. Amen. Amen. You start thinking about that, and you start thinking about scenarios of loss, and you start thinking, you know what? I want to cherish what I have now. And that, and it'd be the same with, with your wealth, to be honest with you, which, as I say, you know, that may not bother me so much as it bothers somebody else. Some people feel more agitated by some things than others. Allah knows our natures. He controlled our natures. He didn't say in this ayah, ولا نبل ونكم بشيء من الخوف والجوع. yeah and full stop. no. he he put in والجوع ون نقص من الأموال والأنفس والثمرات. he and 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 um, harm 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 in your wealth and in yourselves. so he knows our nature and that we're different. yeah. so Yes, I, I think you, 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 you should start thinking and appreciating and valuing the important things in your life more. SubhanAllah, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um,
0: that, that Surah Al-Rahman, which we know very, very well, فَبِأَيّ أَلاَئِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِبَانِ Which of the favors of Allah do you deny? Yeah. And we we'll normally say we're grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but you know, suddenly now, food may be scarce our health could be in danger. Our job, our rizq, our livelihood, which we just just get up, you know, I just get up, get on the tube and I go to work. You don't think twice about it. And suddenly all those things, which we feel wrongly as a Muslim, which maybe I start to feel is in my control. My going to work is what guarantees the rizq, the pay packet, is what guarantees that there's food in the shops, which I can get is my going to the gym is what guarantees my health. And suddenly in this situation we realize that actually we are not the guarantors of our health, our wealth, our loved ones, that there is a greater power, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if this situation does not remind me or any believer to turn to Allah, to depend on Allah, to be grateful to Allah, what's gonna remind us? So this situation, wallahi, for the believer, one of the blessings in this,
1: inshallah, is that it makes us turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I, I, would, I would go further than that. In, in this particular issue, I would say this becomes a reminder to everyone because we know actually in human nature, even people who have you know professed atheism in the past, when they uh, have reached a fear and a crisis, they themselves say they turn to something, someone, wow. some power. Yeah, uh, and and Allah tells us in many places that, you know, unfortunately, there'll be people when they're afflicted with hardship, they will turn to him, and then when the good times come again, they will turn back away from him. Okay. And, well, and that's, well, that's tragic. Yeah. So I believe this can be something for anyone who is a thinking person to realize what is not just what is a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of good people in this society do start thinking about what's important in life, what they value. But but it has to go beyond that, to not just what's important in life, what you value, what's important in your own hierarchy, but what your Lord who created you and me, uh, he put down. And recognizing that, that that that's there, that's what he did. Um, okay. So
0: a question from Facebook, Brother Umais Usman Shoaib said, um, maybe also the issue of tawakul versus precautions. I have witnessed Muslims compromise on tawakul with the excuse of precautions. Maybe they live depending on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are afraid. And so they say, we have to take precautions. precautions." And And also he says he's witnessed Muslims compromise on precautions because they believe it contrary, opposite, To
1: tawakkul. So, what do you say to this? In in this is your. I say, I say again. Separate things out, brothers and sisters, in your head. One is tawakkul, relying on Allah in any circumstance. Acting, preparing, acting as if you you have nothing to rely on except Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. It's not yourself that you're on. It's Allah. You know. some of us, many of us, inshallah, when we leave the house, what are we supposed to say? We say Bismillahi wa la illa billah And this reminds you. That it, it, this becomes like almost a, like a, a routine that you forget, right? Um, but uh, you say it when you, if you say it and stop and think, you say in the, you're saying in the name of Allah. I have tawakkul in Allah. I rely on Allah. And there is no might and power except with Allah. That's very empowering when you leave the house. It reminds you very much of you're relying on Allah to look after your home and your family and you're relying on Allah to look after you when you leave. In a hadith, it mentions that Allah appoints 70,000 angels to protect a person when they say that. Allahu Akbar. Seventy thousand. angels. And in 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 uh, in uh, Abu Daood it mentions that whoever recites this dua, Bismillahita The reply comes, you have been guided and you have your needs have been taken care of and you have been protected and Shaitan leaves his path. Okay? So is, uh, this is extraordinarily uh, powerful to remind ourselves of this. But, so we do our actions relying only on Allah, but we prepare, we prepare. We look at the sunnah of the Prophet We look up the ayat of Quran that talk about us being accountable for our actions. And we look at the sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, and how he prepared as if, as if, He had nothing to rely on except his preparation. But then he acted and he prayed and he relied as if he had nothing to rely on except Allah. So we separate these two things out. And the one who does this will never be arrogant enough to think that he or she is in control of everything. Never. No, you're in control of nothing. Um, But at the same time, the one who purely sits down and relies upon Allah without doing the appropriate actions in any given situation. That person has left the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi because That person has left the action they're supposed to do, and we see this in personal life. In fact, less in personal life. You you don't in personal life. Most Muslims I know will do the actions and the preparation. If they if they if they are in danger of anything, they're in danger of like. Uh, thinking they're too much in control in political life in the affairs of the ummah where everything seems so overwhelming people are like ya Allah you know we we don't know what to do whereas Mm -hmm. actually there is a path for us to follow which is also based on the sunnah of the prophet how to revive this ummah how to work for the return of islam how to work for the return of islam as a way of life as a system so these two extremes, yes, anyone can have them, either being totally fatalistic or totally uh, feeling that they are in control. And rather, uh, I think the brother identifies a correct uh, thing of two extremes, and rather we should understand that Islam is neither of these two, or okay. indeed it is both of, the, both of these two. You we well, have to rely lovely. on like that. And you have to act appropriately like that. Um,
0: Brothers and sisters, thank you very much for joining us um, with our show today. It's going to be a daily show, the Coronavirus Diaries. Inshallah, would love to hear your thoughts, your ideas. would love to hear what you would like to be covered in this show, inshallah. Pe'ala. Brother Abdul Wahid, um, we've got some questions, some comments. Uh, Asif Khan, Saqib Hussein, Itisham Qureshi. Barakalafiq, loads of love and salams to you. We're talking about dealing with fear today. One of the ideas that helps a Muslim to act in these times is the idea that Ajal min Allah. That Ajal is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our death, the time it will come. You witness a lot of death as a doctor. Yeah. As a Muslim, how can one remind oneself what Islam says about this idea of Ajal and how it helps you deal with fear of losing our lives especially with a disease like this
1: so i think um one of the things i've learned from my time in the dawah but also through my experience in life with with being a doctor but also uh which is in accordance with the islamic text is actually by observation that life and death is not in anyone's control, is not a fixed thing, it's not a certain thing. Uh, Rather, you can take two people in the same situation and one will live and one will die. And Why is that? Why will two people who are in the same car, going at the same speed, going into the same accident, and one lives and one dies? Why is it that a virus that affects two people of a similar age, of a similar background, with a similar medical history, and one lives and one dies, Why is it that sometimes people get admitted to hospital and the doctors will say to them, uh, to their families, I wasn't expecting this person uh, to live till tomorrow, and then the next day comes and the person is recovering. And in another situation, somebody comes in and the doctors and nurses are fairly confident that person is not too bad, and then suddenly they take a turn for the worse. All of these observations of reality show us that there is actually no set formula to how someone dies rather what you can say is everyone's going to die the only thing that's going to be different is the time the place the 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 means by which through they died so um this observation is is extremely important because these these give proof to us and i should say not proof they give reminders to us and proofs to us that when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls himself uh, says Says about himself, you hear where you meet. That he's the one that gives life and then gives and gives death. This is a reality. There's no no nothing else that can control that. You will you will not find any credible person saying that there's some set formula in, in the way these things happen. Um, so th- these are important. And you know the one that understands that the ajil is fixed by Allah doesn't worry about doing the right thing in any given situation, um, uh, you know, ra- I shouldn't be reckless at the same time. Yeah. I should not be fearful.
0: So you don't, you, you, don't, you don't go out and mix in public places when there's a coronavirus and say, Ajit is from Allah, and when Allah wills, I'll die. Yeah and uh, at the same time you don't go crazy that you know death is round
1: the corner uh, absolutely and and you know th- this advice about social distancing and stuff it's it's very sensible advice we are socially distanced today but that is that isn't because of coronavirus that's just because we're 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 broadcasting from different places but um you're in West London. I'm in North yeah, London. Yeah. So, and this is going to be, inshallah, very regular. So we inshallah. we don't want to be like like uh, um, wasting time in the travel. But but imagine now you're in a scenario where Taji, you've got a relative who says rings you up and they live, you know, they live alone, and they say, Taji, you know, I've got a fever, and uh I, I started having this persistent dry cough. Okay, so you—you—you you, now you're in a scenario, you're in a situation. What are you going to do for this person, hmm. right? I can't go to the shops myself. Okay, so to what extent are you going to socially distance yourself from that person, Taji? This is different from you saying, okay, you know, I'm going to organize a party of a hundred people and invite all my family over. This is, this is nonsense in this scenario, in this situation. At the same time, you are saying, are you going to leave the person? Do you, do you, okay, you'll take, no, you're not going to leave the person. You have to help the person. You have to help the person. You're going to take sensible precautions. You're going to wash your hands. You're going to, like, not get, you know, not move closer than you need to. Do you see what I mean? you yeah,
0: but, but one question. Um, tomorrow is Jum'a, inshallah ta'ala. Yeah. And one of the brothers on a WhatsApp group I'm on, he, uh, as I, I I would love to hear from brothers and sisters for watching what what's the situation where you're watching from. But, you know, here in the UK, and most of Europe and most of the world, uh, you know, it really pains us. You know, we love to go to the masjid. Uh, we love to go to Salat al Jum'a. It's, it's something we can't imagine. But the because of the health situation and people in close contact and the possibility of spreading this, the advice has been that this will cause harm and the Prophet said no. If a Muslim says, you know, know, it's okay, I will be protected. I am doing a fun. I'll be protected. We are taking fear too far. If we cancel, praying salat al we're giving in to fear. We should actually go ahead and we should you know mix and we should we should just you know pray as, as as usual because there is one masjid uh most of the messages are closed there's one masjid um not too far from here and there was a message and one brother said what are they doing so again if somebody looks at fear from that angle that why are we afraid from the color of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that life is in allah's hands our death is in allah's hands so we should have tomorrow and don't worry about the virus
1: Yes, but just let's, 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 uh, let's, uh, I, I think you'll find there's amongst uh, Islamic scholars that healthy people is wajib, okay? Yeah. Right in general. Uh, and you'll find a unanimity in, uh, uh, amongst Muslims that Not harming someone, preventing harming someone, also you you, and, And anything that deliberately harms anyone. So even outside of this pandemic context, if a person had a contagious disease and they thought, oh, I'm going to go to the masjid, and they were at risk of harming other people, this would be haram. Okay, so there's a unanimity on these things. Then we've ended up getting into this debate and this fight and this arguments on social media where people are on the arguing over the the gray areas. The what line do you draw? At what stage does it become something that actually you should not harm somebody else? And some people. Very early on in this debate and process, w- were saying, even before the public health doctors were saying, right, uh, who are the ones mandated with making a judgment with the data and stuff within your locality, even before they were saying some people. You know what? Uh, we're not gonna mandate that everyone. Mm. I don't think people who are organising prayers tomorrow, and there aren't many, right? There aren't many, but I don't think those people necessarily are always going to be people who don't want to harm, who don't care about harming other people. That's not necessarily the case. Uh, we are. There might be some like that, but I don't think it's the some areas of when this rule actually becomes active, there's iqtaf in science. And that's one reason why we've seen this big debate, brothers and sisters, going on amongst epidemiologists and public health doctors and, and, and infectious diseases experts who are basically arguing. Some were arguing for one model of public health control and some were arguing for another. Some were saying we should do what, uh, Singapore did, or China has done. And others say no. There's another way to do it. So, you know, science isn't an exact. Isn't exact. It's very rarely that you'll find any scientist saying things in absolutes. So you have a marriage of these two situations together. Yes, mm-hmm. you have some agreed upon positions in Islam about Juma in general and about not harming people in general. Then you're going to have some differences of opinion about where these lines are actually drawn within amongst fuqaha and then what complicates it even more is the scientific position about when you actually do a certain measure or not is not always uh agreed upon okay um,
0: the, the uh, brother sharif says please can you repeat the point from wahid mentioned the transmission broke out um so it looks as if uh some gremlins in the works and we had yeah. a bit of a cut in the transmission yeah. Um, Subhanallah, you made a few points, and I'm not sure which point he's, he's talking of. Um, I I think maybe one of the points that comes to mind is that ask, ask him which point, and I'll, I'll brother Sharif, if you can type which point it is that you want brother Abdul to repeat, we will uh, we can go through that point inshallah. taala. Yeah. Um, looking at some of the questions we have, Bilal, uh, brother uh, Bilal is online. Saqib so the transition was affected. Um, I think so.
1: Really. For the Muslim, you know, fueling the mind. Hang on just one second, brothers. Okay. Uh, my, I'm going to ask my technical man here. The, the transmission was affected. Do you hear Yeah, me? it was affected, but it's back now. Alhamdulillah. It's back now. No, but you it's know? back. It's back. Which bit did they miss?
0: You don't know. You yeah, if, if the brother, if you can remember which point you missed, please type it below. Um, you know, in terms of some concepts before we, we move on to our final section is is that we're saying ajal is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That the, the lifespan, when is it we will die? It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who decides the exact time, place, where. And so the Muslim should have confidence and go through life not worrying about when i'm going to die and not also fooling himself or herself to say i protect myself protect myself against what against death when the angel of death comes nobody so nobody can prevent it the second i think very important idea you've touched upon is rizq you know in the uk now um you know, some of us alhamdulillah our jobs are fine you know we're working day in day out we're okay um you know we're working from home or your case you're, you're a needed man you're, you're on the medical front line Doctor dubu may allah give you and all the doctors who are looking after us give them strength and 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 the work iman to to do their job um but you know some people are doing contract work some people are what they call the gig economy and if they don't work they don't get paid and now with everything being shut down you start to think to yourself, you start to fear. How am I going to survive? How am I going to eat? How am I going to feed my kids? And that is a real fear. But the Muslim again, when we read the Quran, as you, one of the ayahs you mentioned, you said, Wallahu ala amrihi, la that Allah is in control of everything. So Allah who fed us for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years of our lives, we didn't grow the food. We didn't make photosynthesis occur. We didn't put the sunlight that the plants need to grow the food. We didn't send the rain that made the plants grow. We didn't make the food that's healthy. I'm sitting in, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in my kitchen table, and you know, brothers and sisters, this is an amazing thing, a banana. Ready-made fruit, Allahu Akbar. It comes in a skin. You can take it anywhere, and when you're ready, you just peel it and it's pure. It has its own jacket, its own protection. Who made this powerful, this thing that feed us? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So again, when we have this worry, yes, we should. How can I get money? Uh, who can I borrow from? Uh, what help can I get from, you know, maybe the, 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 wherever it is I live? But to remember that I need to try to find the means, a new job, family to help me. We should help each other in these times. But Allah, who gave me life till now and kept me alive, will keep me alive. Yeah, it is down to, to his hand. So this concept, reading the Qur'an, and uh, reading the stories of the Sahaba and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the NBR about ajal and rizq and not being fooled like the non-Muslims get fooled, that they think everything is in their hands. That's why people go crazy at this time. Yeah,
1: absolutely. They think, I'm
0: out of control.
1: I'm, I'm not in control. Jazakallah khair. I, I've been told that the point that the, the the transmission got interrupted on was the point about Jummah. And what okay. I was saying is one of the reasons we've got this controversy is because, yeah, there's an agreed-upon position amongst fuqaha. Salat al in generality is wajib. And not harming somebody else in generality is wajib. And then you have a difference of opinion about exactly when you would suspend a jum'ah in order to prevent a harm. That that would be a different opinion amongst different people, with especially because there is a different understanding of the science of what actually is the time and uh, point at which you uh, socially distance, if you want to use that terminology, or you try and reduce large gatherings. And and when, actually the reality, I didn't say this in my previous point, but the reality is in any situation, in Britain, in America, in Pakistan, in Bangladesh, in Nigeria, you are reliant on government you are reliant on the political authority in that area taking a lead and the strange reality muslims have found themselves in the world in in, in britain it's kind of not that different to the moon sighting issue actually everyone is an expert on epidemiology these days everyone's on, on virus very, transmission
0: yeah. transmission yeah, of, of know, diseases we
1: are all experts on astronomy and epidemiology and virus transmission and alhamdulillah that's very good i don't I'm not ridiculing people uh, for, for having some greater knowledge. Uh, I don't claim to be an expert on any of these things. But the reality is, if you have a, a thousand experts on something, you need some body to settle that difference of opinion. And in this reality, you need government to settle it. And yeah, you can, you, there's no point in criticising other Muslims for not voluntarily doing what you thought was right, right? Or or criticising other Muslims for doing something which you thought was overcautious. Because there's naturally going to be ikhtilaf. Sure, we know that there are a few people with a kind of modernist tendency that, you know, in the past they used to jump when they were told to jump, but they used to say how high. All right, and and some who now, and some might think, okay, they're tell, they're jumping before they're even asked to jump now. Okay, there's a few people like that, and similarly, there might be a few people that are living so detached from reality that they think that Muslims should continue the same ibadat even if they were in plague in a plague breakout. Okay, there might be a few people on these ends, but for the most part, it represents an اختلاف in 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 the implementation of the fiqh and that comes from a difference of opinion in science which is not science is not an ex- exact matter it never is no scientist talks about it in those terms all right it's it's actually ignorant to think that there's an absolutely agreed upon consensus that if you read what's been said in the last few weeks on on this it's it's wrong to say one side has all the truth on it and the other side doesn't it doesn't work like that, um, and we shouldn't think it does. Um, but for us as Muslims, you know, in in the Muslim world, I mean, this 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 virus knows no borders. All right, uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't recognise, speak on borders. It doesn't recognise the Durand Line. This this this, and and in in for us as Muslims, really in the Muslim world in particular that political authority, that credible political authority that people trust doesn't exist. Hmm. You know, it's really easy for a ruler in the Muslim world to say, okay, the massages are closed, All right, Because they do that kind of thing all the time. Okay, hmm. that's, not, that's not a great, bold uh, public health measure for them. Okay, they, they've kind of got the opposite thing here in Britain where actually on Tuesday when the government changed its policy, They would like to have implemented a decisive policy of closing things down. Mm. But they know their own population is not going to be controlled. You know, there are 60 million free-willed people who want to do what they want. And, And so you can see them rolling this change out in a very different kind of way.
0: No, no. Brother Nazim Akram from Facebook says he agrees with you that we do lack a central authority to clarify the Islamic position in times like this and it does need to be an islamic government one which rules by islam that can you know this point when you were explaining it i thought to myself somebody can sit there and think it sounds very technical but actually when you make the point about all of us cannot be scientific experts on transmission of disease when is it low when does it reach its peak when does it come down we should try to know more and more but there have to be those experts even in an Islamic state, in the Khilafa And throughout our history, we have scientists who will study the issue and the ruler will take advice from them. What are you saying now? Oh, it is at this level, we don't need to worry. Okay, I take this action. But in two weeks' time, we can now see that it has gone far and more people will be killed. Now we need to take a different action. So,
1: so if I, I say... Right, I'm, I'm driving a bus, right? Yeah, if I'm driving a bus and somebody says to me, uh you know drive to brother taji's house and 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 the passengers behind me one is shouting no go this way and the other one's shouting go this way you know i i have to make a decision i could go this way or i could go this way but if i try and do both i'm going to crash this bus mm-hmm. right i have to maybe if i go this way they're actually wrong it's the wrong road or it's the uh it's the longer route but i still am better off doing that than crashing the bus in the current day and age, we kind of have people grabbing the wheel from you and saying, you know, go this way and that way. That, that's what it feels like. And, and it's a lesson for us. It's, it's a lesson for us. These things need co- political authorities that people have confidence in. That's the other yeah. thing. So today in Britain, I don't know, many of you watching outside Britain may not realise, the parliament passed some emergency laws which give them unprecedented powers. Very similar powers to the Chinese government. So, like in China, you might see videos of people affected with coronavirus who are not going for uh, the, the, the the quarantine centre, and you have these armed, like, police taking them away. Well, Britain has just given itself the powers to do some similar kinds of things, as far as I understand. I haven't read the the, the legislation in detail, but that's my understanding. Now. Uh, you can argue those are necessary or unnecessary. I'm, that's not my point. My point is that if you trust the government, you'll accept those things. If you have a fundamental mistrust of the government, nothing it's going to say about policy, about uh, 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 health policy, economic policy, these kind of emergency powers, is going to, you're going to trust them. In the Muslim world, frankly, people don't trust their governments. There's no trust there so you know we, we don't know what they're doing whether it's in the best interests of the people or not people but
0: knows. we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect our ummah because you know as you said in the muslim world where there's a lot of uh they don't care uh, as the prophet wa sallam, said that he looks after he's a shepherd they don't really care so much about the ummah. and now may allah help our ummah who really need help in this time I mean. one point which uh this is a point from facebook sister fatima khanam said inshallah it will clear inshallah. inshallah it will clear and i wallahi it's a very short comment but i think for the believer in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala subhanahu wa ta'ala that inshallah this will clear this is a stage this is a test for us as believers Allah is looking at us, how will we behave, how will we respond? Will we hold on to the Qur'an, the Sunnah, the practice of Islam? Will we look after each other? Will we follow his Sharia in this situation? Or will we distance ourselves? So, inshallah, it will clear. Question from Brother Elias Brother Lam uh, says, As-salamu alaykum, dear brothers. Barakallahu alaykum. Question, Dr. Abdul Wahid mentioned the necessary reliance on authorities in situations like this. How would the concepts, the ideas of sabr, tawakkul, rizq, ajal influence the dealings and communications of authorities towards crises like the current pandemic? Any historical examples of our Islamic leadership in, this, in, in similar situations? So,
1: so there's, there's 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 So there's two there's two things. There's the leaders, and actually in leadership, you want a leader to remind you of these things regularly. You want a leader to actually remind you to be closer to Allah, that this is a test from Allah, that we're going to rely on Allah and uh, we need to do it. And our best example is Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم. So whether it was in the time of battle and the hardships of battle that he reminded people. So you take the Battle of Khandak, for example, where there's a fear that there's an alliance of tribes. That is coming to literally exterminate the first Islamic state in Medina. And the Muslims, what did they do? They took all measures to prepare. So they were building this ditch, which was an unknown technology in the, uh, in the Arabian Peninsula at the time. And they were preparing themselves and organizing themselves for, for uh, defending Medina in this situation and relying on Allah And they were hungry this was one of the examples of when the the muslims were digging the ditch and they were feeling hunger pangs and they used to take rocks and tie them to their stomach and then the prophet will show he had like more than one rock tied there showing he was more hungry than them and 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 rasul uh, some of his great miracles at his hand happened (coughs) excuse me in this, uh, that's not a corona cough, by the way. Uh, that's, a, that's a normal cough, uh, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. <laughs> uh, uh, the, uh, some of the miracles that happened at his noble hand happened in this battle. And he would motivate at this at this low point for believers mm-hmm. with an external threat and an internal threat of munafiqun that agitating against the Prophet ﷺ. And he's striking the rock which is in the ditch to shift it. And there's a flash of light and he says, I can see the treasures of Kithra in Persia and I can see the treasures of Heraculus in Rome, in Byzantium. And and by talking about these things and by mentioning these things that he as a prophet, alayhi salatu (laughs) wasalam, knew were going to come and happen, Uh, he's reminding people in in a way that motivates them hugely but at the same time they were entirely reliant on Allah and Allah he revealed ayat of Quran in these times to to comfort the hearts of the believers you know when Allah is talking to people he's talking to the Muslims and and in that time that's the sahaba that generation of muslims was the sahaba so allah's teaching them because they felt these emotions as well and similarly in in the battle of ahzab and other times so the, these are excellent examples
0: uh, i think uh, one darghalofik uh, doctor um, and uh, one you know my our brother brother elias said any historical examples of islamic leadership i mean in the time of umar radiallahu anhu there was a plague as well and uh was it the time of omar omar was involved in the incident radiallahu anhu
1: and maybe we'll do a whole
0: program on that because i remember when somebody in a few days ago put up you know this incident on facebook there were so many lessons from it of how there was a plague of how the sahaba had a debate a debate amongst themselves as to do you go away from where the plague is do you go to where the plague is? The people who live there, can they remain? This idea of quarantine, also the duty of the leader. So in the time of the Sahaba, we've had plague. In the time of the Sahaba, we had famine. Famine was in the time of Omar, radiallahu again, wasn't it? When he was at the Khalifa. Yes. Yes. And he sent, uh, he asked his wali, Amr ibn al-As, radiallahu to send supplies from missa from Egypt. So we have... I, examples from the history of this noble Ummah of Muhammad wasallam, in the oh, time of the glorious Khilafah the
1: of- um, th-
0: when there were famine, plague, natural disasters. And what we find is that the Islamic ruler has a, a tool, a weapon, in his armory, in his toolbox when managing society in that time which you don't have in the West. And that those weapons he has is to remind them of Allah and his Rasul so in the time of famine and people are hungry and you want to tell them to have sabr, you can just say have sabr. but you remind them that the Prophet sallam, when he was in Mecca when he was boycotted he was hungry he stood firm they shared what they had they suffered for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they prayed for victory from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They look forward to the time Allah will send his support and help for them, and that happened. So the ruler can remind them from the Quran, from the Sunnah, giving examples from the deen that touches the believer, that what you are facing, what we are facing, Allah will help us. And I think that, maybe this is a program we can deal with before, that helps Muslims to respond in a very positive way towards these disasters and tests, because the communication with them is not just do this, there'll be food in the shops, don't worry, we'll get more vaccine, we'll get more doctors, but it's to remind them with sabr. you remind them with a the practical thing, the practical solution, which a government has to look after and things we need to do for ourselves, but you remind them to be patient. And You remind them of the sabr of the Prophet wasallam of Nuhu alayhi salam. You remind them of the tawakkul that Yusuf alayhi salam had in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how Allah will come through for him, how Allah will help him in the end. You so these ideas, agile, subtle that our life is in Allah's hands, that our sustenance, our livelihood, the food that we eat, the one who provides for us ultimately is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Islamic ruler has this to remind people of. And that helps society to get through this with the Islamic concept. And that's what we're trying to do in this program, inshallah brothers and sisters, to remind ourselves of this. Uh, and inshallah pray that one day Um, We'll have that society which will help us in that way, and we as Muslims will stay strong in this situation. Brothers and sisters, um, a lot of thoughts, a lot of ideas that you've come with, a lot of questions that you have, inshallah, a lot of your comments. Some of your questions and comments will take, inshallah, to be programs for the future, so we can actually take them as individual things. Um, You know, Um Abdullah said, do you think Muslims living in the West are smitten it, it is live now, and we're live again. So it looks like there was a interruption. And inshallah, brothers and sisters, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, inshallah, we will leave you with this beautiful uh, reminder. I hope the the broadcast you can hear this beautiful reminder um, that we will um, uh, inshallah give to you. So this is a reminder, uh, inshallah, join us at 9 PM tomorrow, inshallah ta'ala, myself and Dr. Abdul Wahid. Listen to this uh, beautiful dua that this 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 person makes and inshallah, may Allah ta'ala accept this dua for all of us, keep us all safe, bless us, protect us, keep us strong, uh, help us to deal with the fear, not be afraid. Uh, listen, and share this. Uh,
1: اللهم يا رب قد أرهبنا هذا الوباء ندعوك بالدعاء يا منزل الداء أنزل الدواء وارفع عنا البلاء وأنزل علينا الشفاء يا رافع السماات نستغيث يا مغيث الذي تحيي وتميت بالشفاء وكل